and his name is John Cena. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. <laughs> no, I know that's that's good enough. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is a very special, special co-host. You know him well. He needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. And his name is John C. That's good enough. If you need me to edit the beginning of it, I can edit the beginning of it and make it work. <laughs> How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing fine. <laughs> I am doing just peachy, man. I, I can't complain too much. How are you doing? I am tired. <laughs> I am extremely tired. Um, we, for people who paid attention to last week's episode, uh, we had planned on doing something different this week, but we had to rearrange our schedule because of a family emergency and the family emergency, uh, just everything that's happened this weekend has kind of just, uh, it's taken it out of me. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Well, um, yeah, I, I hope everything's okay. And yeah, well, we had to rearrange some stuff, but it's still going to be a good episode. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I am too. So um, are we ready to go ahead and jump into the news? Yeah, cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. And there's going to be a lot of beady beady this week. There's going to be a lot of beady beaties. Um, uh, so I, I, I the song beady beady bum bum. Beady beady bum bum. So it came into my head there for a second. Um, <laughs> Selena. Hello, Selena. Okay. Uh, so the first bit of news that we have is actually some sad news. And I know it seems kind of crazy because we're kind of in a silly mood. But um, it's not really kaiju news, but this is important uh, in the film industry and also to me because this is one of my favorite films in the last few years. But um, Chadwick Boseman, the star of Black Panther. Uh, he's been in a lot of other things. Get on up. He played Jackie Robinson in, in the movie 42, I think is what it was called. Um, he, yeah, that's right. He's a really great actor. He passed away from, uh, colon cancer. Was it colon cancer? Yeah. It was some kind of really aggressive cancer that even, I don't even think a lot of folks knew about it cause it was a total shock when it happened. I would say probably close family and friends were the only people that really knew what was going on with Chadwick. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy that he was um, he was diagnosed with this, and he had been fighting it for a long time, while still playing super a superhero in these Marvel movies, like you know uh, Captain America: Civil War, Avengers. It's amazing that he what he was able to do while still battling this, and so that just by itself, just he was an amazing actor he seemed like a pretty stand-up guy he was very funny whenever he was in interviews or um 
on Saturday Night Live. Whenever he was on there, he was a really funny guy. Um, so it's it's kind of a sad news to hear that he you know passed away. Um, Black Panther, not only the movie was one of my favorite movies of the last few years, but Black Panther, the character, uh, was one of my favorite comic book characters even before the movie came out. So I was such a huge fan. I loved the way that Chadwick Boseman played the character in the movies. And so he's going to be sorely missed. And so we just wanted to take a moment to show uh, what what he what his loss meant to not only just the film industry, but to us, you know, to us personally as fans of his work. So the only thing I have to say is just Wakanda forever. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I can say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was in, uh, that day, <clears throat> excuse me, that day that I was texting back and forth with you and I was in the comic, I was in the bookstore. Um, they had this big display, in their comic book section and graphic novel section of all black Panther stuff. So it was really interesting. It was really nice to see all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't want to dwell on it, on it too much because, um, it is sad news. We want to stick to a more positive note, but, but like we said, we did want to talk about, uh, this great loss and, and, and it is a positive thing because he did play such amazing characters and did a lot, uh, for representation, for african-american and which uh just the 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 representation that was in the black panther film alone just was amazing and the fact that there are young black children who are growing up whether you know they're african-american or from another country but just these young black children who can now look at one of the biggest movies of all time and see a character that they can see themselves represented in and it's just amazing. Um, so yeah, he, he did a lot. I know that Marvel in, and Disney, they're a business mm -hmm. and they have to keep the show. Go they have to keep, they have to keep everything going, but I'm really hoping that they don't rush to replace him just yet because I just, I hope that they give, I hope that they give Chad the, the respect that he deserved from all the things that he was able to, yeah. to bring us through his career. And now I, there was a, big debate and i don't want to get into it too much on here but there was a big debate on whether it was too soon to talk about for people like us you know not not necessarily disney or marvel or any of them but just people like us to talk about what this means for the black panther sequel that was already supposed to be in early production work and, and things like that and while i do think that the way that some websites were using that as like clickbait to draw people to their websites was absolutely disrespectful. I don't think it's disrespectful for us to start to wonder, you know, what's going to happen now that he's, he's gone. Um, I don't think it's, it's disrespectful because I think that when you are dealing with the loss of someone, even though we don't, we, none of us knew him personally. Um, when you, when you're dealing with the loss of someone that you, you had respect for, Sometimes you do wonder, like, well, what do we do now? What What's going to happen next? Um, and so I don't think that was I, I think that there was a huge overreaction online towards people who did start to question that about what's going to happen next. Mm. But um, I will say this, that it, as a comic book fan and as a Black Panther fan, there is a precedent in the comic books for Black Panther, for T'Challa, the, the main Black Panther from the comics to be replaced by other characters. Um, so 
it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that he could they could instead of getting another actor to play the character of T'Challa since uh, Chadwick Boseman did such a great job embodying that character that they just bring, they they pass on the mantle to another character because they have done that in the comics. So, you know, that it is possible. I think whatever yeah. they do, I think they will do it with respect. I'm I'm sure they will. I have no doubt about that because like like we've already talked about, he was a very beloved character. Uh and he was just a very beloved actor. I didn't know much about Chadwick Boseman. Um I I'd seen 42 and of course I'd seen Black Panther and that's really the only things that I know him from. Mm-hmm. Um so in the short time that I was able to see his work, it really did make an impact because I enjoyed both of those films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on to some some uh, lighter news now uh, and, and get into actual kaiju news. Um, so we had a teaser trailer for an upcoming movie called Conga TNT. Now, <laughs> this movie, this movie looks like <laughs> one of the schlockiest, dumbest things I have ever seen. <laughs> And I don't know if I, I like I I like I like silly schlocky movies. I mean, I love Night of the Leapus. Uh huh. But my favorite type of movies are always the ones that where they go in with the intention of making an excellent film and then they just fail so miserably. This movie looks like it was uh-huh. intentionally made <laughs> terrible, kind of like the um the uh what do you call it Sharknado films. Yeah, uh, uh, who does shark? I freaking see I, Asylum. There we go, like Asylum films. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like, I'm not like, super uh, thrilled about this movie. Anyway, go ahead. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So Travis, if if you made me watch Little Shop of Horrors, if I came, you liked really Little Shop of Horrors. Don't do. don't act like I forced you. You enjoy that movie. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, if it, since I came super close to watching Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Night of the Lepus, we are going to do Conga TNT for, for this podcast. You are going to owe me big time for making me watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to owe me. Oh, but seriously, it, they, um, I watched the teaser trailer. It's not very long at all. It's maybe, what, 30 seconds? Yeah, it's real post. short. Um, and like you said, it is the... It is the schlockiest, dumbest thing I think I've ever seen. It it reminds me of all those old original sci-fi films mm-hmm. that you don't know whether they you don't know if they're going to take themselves too seriously or what. But um, yeah, I, I think that their intent. I think this is a spoof sequel to the original Conga from what 1950, 1960, 1970, something like that. Yeah. Um. So the only good thing that I saw about um, this was apparently Matt Frank made some artwork for it, mm-hmm. which was which was actually really good. As per Matt Frank's uh, as per Matt Frank's usual work, all his work is really good. But um, apparently, there's going to be a special edition to this Blu-ray with Matt Frank's artwork on it. So I'm going to have to probably buy it, and then we're going to have to review it for the podcast. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this, gr- this gorilla will thrill you. 
Oh. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it really is. It's so stupid. I didn't think that a movie could be so stupid that it would just be too stupid for me. But just, oh my goodness. Uh, so, um, if anyone's interested, we... We will put a link to the teaser trailer in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, go check it out because it is an experience. <laughs> it's it's only thirty seconds, but it's hilarious. I look. I made I made people watch Yeti. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Because I was gonna say I was trying to think of the movie that you made us all watch for yes. Kaiju Quarantine. Yes. I said if you're gonna make us watch Yeti, oh hell yes, I'm gonna make you watch Conga <laughs> PNT for this. I uh, would for take, this podcast. I would take a million Yetis and Yeti sequels over this movie. Like this movie looks so terrible. <laughs> oh man! So <laughs> it's gonna be glorious. <laughs> oh man! So look forward to uh, our review of that when it when is it coming out? I I didn't even see when it was actually coming out. Oh, I don't even know. I, I looked in the, I, it, it, all it says is 2020. It doesn't have an actual hard date. I don't believe. Okay. So it's coming out within the next few months. So yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, I thought this, it's going to come out before the end of the year. I know that. I thought this was like them premiering the movie Conga on the TNT network. I didn't realize when I first saw the trailer for this, that this was like, <laughs> this was an actual movie all to itself. I was like, Oh, Oh, the movie is called Conga TNT. Okay. <laughs> just oh man yeah to be fair i thought the same thing i thought the same thing i think we finally found our movie that rob needs to uh guest on with us <laughs> rob from tokyo lives oh yeah i may yes yeah he's on twitter now so i'm gonna message him and, and be like hey rob yeah you watch a trashy movie with us yeah yeah that this would be the perfect one for him Oh man, so moving on from Conga TNT, please, for the love of God, let's move on. <laughs> um, so our friend Elijah Thomas, who's the host of the Kaiju Conversation podcast, um, he has uh, published an article over on GodzillaMovies.com titled Gamera History of Home Video. Uh, it's a really good and interesting article to read. Um, you guys talked about it on the bonus episode that we released just this weekend. Uh, it, yeah, we did. He's such a, he is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like the home releases of things like the physical media, uh, of things. And he has put a lot, a lot of work into doing research and investigating this, the history of the physical releases of Gamera in the United States. And I think that it, it is such an interesting thing that he put so much time and effort into it. And I think it's worth reading. If uh, anyone is interested, we will make sure to put a link to that. Yeah. It's not a very long article at all. I read through it in maybe 10 minutes uh, and it's really, really good. Um, Elijah is all Elijah is always very thoughtful in what he writes and like you said, he has a wealth of knowledge on home video releases. It's it's sort of his thing. He has probably the biggest home video collection I think I've ever seen of one person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so please, anyone who's interested, go check out that article because I think 
uh, we need to support his work because he put like I said, he put a lot of work into this article uh, doing his research. So um, moving on to the next bit of news. So we have just coming up in a few days, um, probably the day before this episode releases or the day after this episode releases. Uh, oh, the day that this episode yeah, comes out, like- the day that this episode comes out. Yep marvel's ultraman number one or isn't it it's called rise of ultraman or something like that i think it's what they yeah rise of ultraman yeah number one uh comes out uh on september 9th and from what we're seeing online uh kyle higgins the writer for the book said that it will feature 40 pages of story which is great is absolutely great because the the average comic especially from a company like Marvel, the average comic is usually about 20 to 25 pages. And some of those are going to be mm-hmm. ads. Um, so the fact that he said that there's 40 pages of story in this is amazing. So it's going to be a pretty decent sized book. It is. It's, it's, a, it's probably what in total, what would you say? Like 50 pages in total for the entire book? Mm, yeah, probably somewhere around there. Yeah, ads and internal covers and stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably about 50 pages. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a decent size book. So uh, yeah, I am looking forward to getting my hands on that. I'm looking forward to reading that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it sure will. And uh, I've already pre-ordered mine. I don't know. I don't know if um, Sanctum said that they would send it if I would get it the day of or just a few days after it's well usually it's the day of um you're supposed to be able to get it Mm. so hopefully if not it will be within the next couple you know within the next few days so so uh probably yeah yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh and we're also going to have the ultra q um little uh um short story at the back of it so that's going to be really interesting as well oh yeah i forgot about that yeah um each each issue is going to have a little short story in the back that is based around ultra q okay great sounds awesome yeah uh anybody who's who may have read the mighty Morphin power rangers comic books um that the original uh, i think oh man the first 50 issues or whatever that they had of that was all done by kyle higgins uh uh, written by Kyle Higgins and he's the one who's uh the main writer on this series so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Ultraman. I went back to the bookstore and picked up a few copies of uh Gogo and um uh shoot Shattered Grid. Oh and yeah. And I think he has the yeah, I think he's I think he's the artist on that one. I'll have, I'd have to go grab I, they're in my office. I'd have to go grab them and look. Um but yeah, I'm pretty sure. On uh not Gogo. Gogo was a different writer. Um, but with, uh, but with the mighty Morphin series, he was the writer, the head writer. Um, and he yeah, was, writer, I'm sorry, not artist. Yeah. He was, the he was the head writer during the shattered grid, uh, story arc. So yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's a good story arc. I mean, it does kind of reinvent a little bit of, um, Ranger history, but I, I still, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Ultraman. I think he's going to, I think he's going to do something very similar. He's, he might reinvent some of the history, rewrite some of the history a little bit, but it's all going to be for the benefit of the story. 
Um, and then the only other bit of news that we had was just a quick one. We did get an extended GVK Godzilla versus Kong um, banner. So just some some artwork. Basically, it's the same artwork that we've seen, but just now it's been extended out so we can see it clearly. Uh, so it just mm-hmm. it looks great. You know, Godzilla and Kong looks great. That's really all you can say, because, um, you know, Kong looks super beastly. Godzilla looks a little bit different. I'm not going to. I'm. Th- yeah, this is it's not enough to really harp on. Like, is is Godzilla's is Godzilla's design going to be tweaked? But cause we don't know, there's not enough really to where there's really not enough here to go on. It looks like he maybe has uh bigger fangs or maybe sharper dorsal spines, but it could just be the artwork itself. I don't know. We won't know until the movie comes out, but yeah, it's, it's nice to get some little artwork um, as we patiently or impatiently await the first trailer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for the news. So are you ready to jump into our main topic for this week? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, the trivia question that we asked on Twitter and Facebook, we it's not the same trivia question we asked at the end of last week's episode, because like we said, with things that came up, we had to rearrange our schedule. But we did ask the trivia question on Twitter and Facebook. So if anyone wants to follow along with us on our social medias, to that way you will know if we do have another schedule change. We will always let you know when things like that happens. Um, what other Toho film was released in the United States in 1970 as a double feature along with War of the Gargantuas? And we had quite a few answers, so I'm going to try to get through as many as I can. We had Milton Harvey, who said Rodan. Uh, Nope, not Rodan. Rodan came out before that, and I don't think, I can't remember when it made its um, release in the United States, but it was, it wasn't long after it was released in Japan, was it? Or was it one of those ones that was like many Um, years later? No, I think it was maybe a year or two later, like a lot of these Toho films. Oh, okay. It it takes it took them maybe a year or two to get a dub together and then ship it over so get it ready for the United States. Yeah. Uh then uh Benjamin Taylor gave us the correct answer, Invasion of Astro Monster. Marie Mormon answered the original Mothra. Uh Nick Blackler, who always gives us a funny answer, said the classic Creature double feature war of the gargantua is paired with citizen Kane Rosebud's revenge. (laughs) I like that, Mm -hmm. Nick. Uh, I like that. Uh, Aaron Sands said Godzilla versus monster zero Jim Duras. uh, Hopefully I'm saying that right. Said he cheated and looked it up. So he won't say which one it is, Uh, but he says it would, it would have been a heck of a double feature. So, which uh, yes, yes, it, it is <laughs> uh james patrick larock uh said larock yes yeah, larock said monster zero and he said not invasion of astro monster not godzilla versus monster zero either its original name was just monster zero which uh james <laughs> i'm sorry to tell you but its original name was kaiju daisenso in Japanese. So <laughs> no, it wasn't monster zero, <laughs> but, uh, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying though, James. And thank you for your answer. Uh, Jimmy from NASA 
uh, said, now he usually gives us a funny answer, but he said this week he could not answer it incorrectly because it features Nick Adams, who is his spirit animal. Uh, so he answered with Invasion of Astro Monster. And then Nathan uh, turned around and answered Godzilla versus Jimmy from NASA. <laughs> So. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't hear from the board this week. Yeah. Uh, oh, I heard plenty from them in the, they, there's a big conversation <laughs> going on between Jimmy and Nathan in the board. Uh, our friend over at Godzilla novelization project, Danny Demana said, uh, sent in a GIF of Nick Adams saying, tell me about it, baby, which is one of my favorite <laughs> parts of this movie. I love that line. I love that delivery. I love that scene. It's so good. So thank you, Danny, for sending that GIF over. Um, Ken Bockelman said Monster Zero. Alex Sperling said, <laughs> now, he, I don't know if I can say this on a family-friendly <laughs> show. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Alex Sperling, thank you for your answer. We're going to give you a shout out anyway, but uh, we're family friendly. So. Oh, come on. So, ah, uh, oh, come on. Okay. Okay. Uh, if I get censored, if I get in trouble from people who's listening to this, then it's going to be your fault. He said invasion of Astra monster with an emphasis on the ass, <laughs> um, <laughs> which Alex from monsters versus man had fun with. Uh, because of course he did. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Elijah uh, from ET Productions uh, sent in Invasion of Astro Monster, a.k.a. Monster Zero, a.k.a. Godzilla versus Monster Zero, a.k.a. Godzilla versus Monster Zero just with a different spelling. Uh, <laughs> then we had at Goji fan 33 sent in invasion of Astro monster. And then my favorite answer for this week uh, was from the giant monster BS guys from the giant monster BS podcast. They said, my guess is Godzilla versus the language barrier. Stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly sure that my answer is not incorrect. And I'm very surprised I'm very surprised they didn't send us in Monsters, Inc. this week because we've been making the joke about us, about them always sending us in Monsters, Inc. Hmm. Maybe there's some kind of secret message. Hmm. Nope. Nope. I don't. Or did they? I don't send. I don't see anything in here. Nope. No secret hmm. message in here. No, I don't see it either. Yep. Nothing at all. Um, but thank oh, well, moving on, moving on. <laughs> thank you guys. So that's all the answers that I found from our social media. Thank you guys for sending in your answers. Uh, our main topic of course is Godzilla versus monster zero or invasion of Astro monster or Kaiju Daisenso. It stars Akira Takarada, Nick Adams, Kumi Mizuno, Akira Kubo, uh, Haro Nakajima as Godzilla, Masaki Shinohara as Rodan, and Shoichi Hirose as King Ghidorah. And it was directed by Ishiro Honda. 
And the plot breakdown is aliens from the mysterious planet X, which resides on the dark side of Jupiter, come to Earth asking its people to help them save their world from the dreaded King Ghidorah by letting them borrow Godzilla and Rodan. However, the aliens are actually planning to use the three monsters to take over Earth for themselves. Now, getting into our opening thoughts, what are your opening thoughts on this movie, Michael? Top three Godzilla films and probably number two on my list of the Showa era films. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really great. It really it, it's up there for me, too. Um, I will say that while I do really enjoy this film. I enjoy it more as a sci fi like retro sci fi film than I do as a Godzilla mm-hmm. film. Because it is more of a um, <clears throat> sci-fi. Uh, it's more of a hard sci-fi film than it is a Godzilla film. There's very little, and I'm I'm sure we'll get into this in fun facts, but there's very little monster action, actual monster action to be had in this movie. It's more like, this, this movie is more like a bunch of really interesting human drama and a bunch of interesting alien drama with a few kaiju mixed in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think if you go into this movie, especially if you're watching as a like a marathon of all the Godzilla movies, this mm-hmm. this one might be a little disappointing if you're if you're the type of person who really enjoys the monster fights, the monster wrestling, as we like to call it. But I think that. I mean, everybody knows, everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love Akira Takarada. Uh, I do love Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno, you know, just as much, too. The acting and the characters in this movie make it so much fun to watch that even that when it does cut away to the monsters, I'm kind of just waiting for them to go back to the human characters. Because I'm like, I'm more interested and more invested as a lifelong Godzilla fan. I am more invested in the story of Glenn and Fuji and all of them than I am the actual monster fights. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely something that's interesting about this film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is one of the few films that... <clears throat> has really interesting enough human drama to not just to, to really not make me care if I see a whole lot of monster action, because I think in total, there's only, there's only 18 minutes of, of monster action in this movie and and the entire plot drive and the, the entire plot is driven by our human protagonists and their interactions with our, um, alien exilian, um, antagonist and it's really really good uh, if you want to if we want to go ahead and dive straight into our likes and dis- likes and dislikes uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and just right off the bat Nick Adams I watched this movie uh, both the Japanese uh, with Japanese dub with the, with the English subtitles and then I watched it again for kicks and giggles I watched the UPA dub uh, the English dub simply because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Nick Adams a- uh, acting in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy Well, like I said, I really enjoy all of the actors in this and that's the thing. 
there are movies, there are Godzilla movies that really focus on some of the human uh, characters, but I don't think that they're as interesting as the characters that we have here. And I think a big part of that is the actors that are portraying these characters in this movie. I think the actors do such an amazing job in this. Nick Adams, of course, is I mean, like anybody who's a fan of of Godzilla films knows who Nick Adams is, because even though he's only appeared in one Godzilla film, one actual Godzilla film, his presence is known. <laughs> like people know who he is because he was such a oh, yeah, for sure. And out character. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I definitely think that that uh, he is a standout one. I think Takarada is great. It, the camaraderie between Takarada and Nick Adams in this movie is so great. I love the bromance they have going on in this movie. It is it's fantastic. I'll be honest with you though, Takarada didn't really I mean he had some agency, but he was not the star of the show for this movie. No, he really wasn't. And that that's the thing because um I we've talked about before with our review of um what was it? King Kong Escapes. Yeah, King Kong Escapes. Yeah, King Kong Escapes, where they 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 give a lot of attention to the American actor, but but Takarada really does outshine him. But in this, Takarada is not outshining Nick Adams. Nick Adams is absolutely holding his own and is doing a fantastic job. And and I th- and I don't think that either one of them really outshines the other. I think the two of them together make an excellent duo. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you throw in Kumi Mizuno, who, besides being just an absolutely gorgeous woman, is a fantastic actress. And her character in this and the way she does her character in this is so good. And I wanted to talk to you about this because we've we've reviewed movies now. We've reviewed a movie with um with Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno, because we talked about uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, one of your first episode that you were ever on. Right. Do you think that Nick Adams's character and Kumi Mizuno's character are similar between the two movies, this movie and that movie, or do you think they're different? I think that they're slightly. I think they're slightly different. Uh, this movie, I can't remember exactly who came first. If the, if Astro monster came first or if, um, Frankenstein conquers the world came first, but in Frankenstein conquers the world, Nick Adams sort of plays, um, the very skeptical, um, well, I guess they do try. I, like I'm sitting here thinking, I guess they kind of do play the same character in both movies. Oh, well, I, I think Nick Adams, his character is similar because I think he just him as a person, he probably has that kind of like charisma and swagger that he just brings to whatever character he's doing. Mm-hmm. But I, but this in uh in, oh by the way um uh Frankenstein conquers the world came first. Uh, and then Invasion of Astro Monster came second. Okay. Um, the thing that I think is really interesting about this film is that in in this, Nick Adams plays a very James Bond type character in the way that he just has that kind of like the bachelor who's, you know, wooing the woman and he's got this just carefree 
sensibility about him uh and and i just and of course like that like i said the charisma and stuff that he carries whereas in frankenstein conquers the world he seems more um i don't want to say pared down but he does seem a little bit more uh um more serious and more business in it and that's not a bad thing because that's the character the character is a scientist he's more focused on you know on his job and stuff and uh and i think that they that i i think that's a a a mark of a good actor is when he plays two totally different characters in two totally different movies you know it really shows that he does have the ability to change and rain and have the range and stuff and then so that was my point in that um, what did you think of the Exilians? I really like the Exilians, like especially, <clears throat> especially the the commander. Um, not not to be confused with the controller. Uh, or not. I'm sorry. I'm getting them. I'm getting them reversed. I'm sorry. The controller I liked more than the commander. The commander is the one we saw on Earth living in that um house on the island. The mm-hmm. controller is the one that they interacted with uh on Planet X. And in the Japanese uh in the Japanese version, he's referred to as the Commandant. Um. When when you compare the Exilians to some of the other aliens in that we get later on in the Godzilla franchise, where do you where do you rank them? They're the top. They're the top for me. I rank these slightly above even um, the Simians from the uh, the Showa Mechagodzilla duology uh, from later in the Showa era, and I definitely like I like these Exilians more than the exilians we saw in final wars i just those exilians were too hammy it was it was too it was it was too much um, right early 2000s cheesiness like the matrix for me i but i really like these exilians from from astro monster i just think they're i I think they it's interesting that It's interesting that they that they show very little emotion, that they're completely driven by the computer. Mm-hmm. The computer is literally telling them what to do, what to think. Um and it's and it's an interesting dynamic where uh the conversation that I'm thinking of, it's toward the it's I think it's toward the middle part of the film when um when Glenn confronts Miss Namikawa and I cannot like I I cannot remember the speech, but um, it it's like don't you don't you want to be human? There's more to life than uh, obeying a computer or something like that. I'd have to go back and 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 look at it again. But I really love the contrast between the very emotional Glenn. He's just had this very emotional, heartfelt, very high tempered conversation with Miss Namikawa, who has broken free from sort of the computer, what the computer wants her to do. And she's following now her emotions. And you contrast that with the emotionless colony commander who, who just, who just only obeys the computer. He's only driven by what the computer and what the commander says, and he's only following orders and it doesn't care. And it's a really nice contrast. And I think um, throughout this film, there's 
some of these messages can even speak today where uh, how it's it's often said that we are even controlled by the machines a little bit like we're controlled by our phones our televisions our streaming services just whatever like we rely so heavily on these machines that hu- real human interaction sometimes especially in the in 2020 with covid is very few and far between and i think that i think that this film was a lot was very much ahead of its time in some of its commentary and i really enjoyed that scene yeah i you're right you're right that is actually a a a good um parallel because uh one thing that you talked about on your podcast with um with eric this week uh you guys are talking about how on Twitter we tend to forget that there are people behind the avatars. We tend to just be talking heads when we're on Twitter. And there's a line that Glenn says to Miss Namikawa in there that where he says, if I remember the line right, he says, um, don't you have a conscience or did you give that over to the computer as well? And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you see it so often on Twitter where people like their conscience seems to just not bother them about what they say or what they do there. There's no human empathy. There's no sympathy or empathy towards other people. And, and I think that that, you know, in a way they are kind of, you know, giving up the, those elements of humanity for this online way of communicating. So, yeah, I I think you're right. I think that is Mm -hmm. a good parallel to something that's affecting people today. Um, as far as my mm-hmm. opinion on the Exilians, they are my number two favorite aliens in the Godzilla franchise. Now, I, I love, I do love the Exilians, and I think the Simians are are good. Uh, I think the Simians, you know, are good for what they are. <laughs> but you already know. I know what you're going to say. You already know. <laughs> space cockroaches. <laughs> space cockroaches. Ah, I can't. I have such a soft spot. And such nostalgia for Godzilla versus Gigan. It was one of my favorite Godzilla movies growing up as a kid. And so I have such a soft spot for the space cockroaches from that movie. <laughs> Outside of that, the Exilians <laughs> are fantastic and I do love them. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I, I'll, I can concede a little bit and say the space cockroaches, they're number three on my list right behind. Of course, the Exilians are number one from the, the Showa Exilians are number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Simeons from the Mechagodzilla duology are number two. The Space Cockroaches fall somewhere at number three. And then way down the list, you've got the Kelax and the Exilians from Final Wars. Yeah, uh, I see. I like the Exilians in Final Wars too, but the, yeah, uh, I I love how hammy they are. I love how hammy they are. They, it's like, like that's the point. <laughs> They're supposed to be that hammy. Um, let's get into some dislikes, and then we'll talk about. We'll do. We'll end on some positives. But let's 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 fill, sure. Let's let's, do, let's go for it. Fill our 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 uh, sandwich here with some negative meat. Um, <laughs> yes, I realize how that sounds. Uh, <laughs> So, and I'm leaving it in too. <laughs> so what um what what are some dislikes or just some negatives that you have for this film? I you know, it's a good I'm I, it's a good thing they didn't use it outside of this movie. But that super annoying sound that the Lady Guard alarm made. Oh yeah. was just 
Oh my God. Like it was terrible. I had to mute my television when I'm, as I'm watching this because my cats, I'm on the, I'm in the den here watching the movie and all of a sudden that noise comes on and they just all start freaking out because they're all three in here with me. And, uh, yeah, they didn't like it either. And I don't blame them because that noise is ridiculous. Um, and it's no, and it's no wonder they only used it for this film. Um, also, you know, some of the middle parts of the, some of the middle parts of the movie drug a little bit as they're, um, you know, specifically as they're kind of leading up to that first exilian attack, uh, when the exilians are trying to give the earth people a chance to reconsider, uh, joining the colony of planet X and that those parts were a little bit slow, but there was some good stuff in there too, to help drove the story. Um, so that's what I'll start off with. What, what were some things, Travis, that you sort of just did not did not like about this film? Well, I, I mentioned it in my opening thoughts that the main problem that I have with this film, and it's not really a problem because I, like I said, they do they make up for it. They absolutely make up for it with the acting and the story. But this is supposed to be a Godzilla film. Godzilla is listed at you know Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Uh, you know, it, this this is a Godzilla film, but Godzilla only appears for a short amount of time. And I was looking it up because I remember that someone had uh, sent me a while back uh, this breakdown of Godzilla screen time for all of the Showa or not Showa, but the Toho um, films and right. invasion of Astro Monsters at the bottom of that list with only five minutes and 43 seconds of screen time. Oh, wow. I thought it was a little bit more than that. I, th- I, I what I say earlier, like 18 minutes. Yeah, you said 18 oh, wow. okay. up there is one of the highest because um, Return of Godzilla uh, or 1984 uh, has it, it has 18 minutes and 54 seconds. So and even Shin Godzilla is close to 18 minutes of screen time. So okay. uh, the highest listed as far as Toho produced Godzilla films uh, is Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, the Heisei film. And that's at 26 minutes and 56 seconds. Yeah, I can see that because that battle felt like it just went on. It goes forever. on forever. Um, but yeah, so five minutes, well, six minutes, let's say six minutes of screen time for Godzilla. That is not a lot. And yeah i mean i do as i am a huge godzilla fan and if i'm watching a godzilla movie i do want to see more godzilla so i will knock it some points just for the fact that godzilla takes such a back seat that being said i don't think it's as big of a deal because the stuff that they fill that time with is worth Mm -hmm. watching and i and like i said my opening thoughts i actually was more interested more invested in the story besides Godzilla so that when Godzilla did make an appearance, I was actually wanting them to go back to the other. Cause I'm actually more invested. Well, Travis, allow me if you don't mind to throw some positivity mayonnaise okay. into this for just a second and uh, say <clears throat> that when they do use the Kaiju, it is used. Well, it is used effectively. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I do. I do agree with that. I think they're used effectively. I don't like the a which uh, you may not have noticed if you're not a diehard fan who recognizes these things, but I'm sure you noticed it. Um, but the some of the footage in here is actually stock footage from other movies, and so 
it's like so not only do we only get like five minutes of godzilla but some of it is actually stock footage from from previous movies true but you got to think about this too you got to kind of think about this movie in context of when it came out i i mean yeah we notice it now because we have streaming and home video and we can buy multiple copies of this movie and other movies but in the 1960s and 1970s was this film easily available to the mass population or did you have to only go to theaters to watch it? What I'm wondering is um, did people in the 1960s and seventies, could they tell unless they did like a, the only way I feel like they could tell honestly is if they did like a double billing, like a double feature of this movie with Rodan with war, the gargantuas and with Ghidorah, or did a, uh, a multiple movie marathon with those films that's for people in the 1960s and 70s. I feel like that's the only way you could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get you. I get you in the time period. I think stock footage was not as um, looked down on as what it is nowadays because we look at it as, you know, we can see the films that they're getting the stock footage from. Whereas like you said, back then those films were not necessarily available. And even if they did recognize it, it's like, well, I don't, I, you know, you don't home home video didn't exist. So it's like, you know, I'll get to see this movie again. <laughs> if it's stock footage from, from a previous movie, it's like, well, I'm getting to see that scene again. that I really liked from my previous movie. So it's like a bonus. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. I get it. But to me, it's just like, if you're, it, I, I don't understand because Ghidorah or Ghidorah, the three headed monster was one of the, best received Toho Godzilla films from the Showa era. So if it was so well received and they're doing this sequel, why they had to use stock footage, because it's like, you think they would have, have, have had a decent enough budget to put towards the, you know, filming scenes with the monsters. So I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, it is, it's a small nitpick and I ad- fully admit that, but it is something that did bug mm. me. Yeah. The, the stock footage in this though, I will say is not as egregious as say destroy all monsters because the stock footage in destroy all monsters, especially with the scenes with, with King Ghidorah, uh, are very much obvious. They were taken from, uh, Ghid- Ghidorah, the three headed monster. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and specifically, uh, go ahead. Go, oh, oh, and um, um, sorry, and the uh, and the, I think maybe it's not destroy all monsters. I'm thinking of correction. It's um, uh, shoot, uh, Godzilla versus Gigan. That's the one I was uh, gonna say. They took oh, yeah, yeah. They took a lot of stock footage from Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster in that film too. Yeah, and it's and it's really horrible because you know like the 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 scenes that they're trying to pass off uh as. Uh, as part of Godzilla versus Gigan are daytime shots, whereas the the movie is set at night. So it's like it's such mm-hmm. a yeah. So I definitely it, it's definitely worse in in later movies, but it's just I don't know. It was a little nitpick. Like I said, I was I was actually uh, reaching when trying to find negatives for this film because I did really enjoy it. So oh, much. I was too. I, I have very few negatives, honestly. Yeah. Um. Going back to just to finish off with some positives, my last positive that I want to talk about is I've talked about the acting because, again, that is my favorite thing about this film. The speech that Glenn gives to Miss Namakawa 
is so good and i wish i could get a transcript of that of that speech because it is absolutely just top-notch excellent and well delivered and uh just oh i love it i love it so much um what are some final uh some final positives that you want to cover there are some really interesting shots in this movie uh the one i'm thinking the one that comes to mind at this moment is it's when planet i think it's when planet x or the sorry when the exilians are launching their first attack and so you've got uh, they they first call uh, Godzilla into the bat. They first call Godzilla and Rodan into the battle first. Then they join the attack, and then lastly they call King Ghidorah uh, back from the west to join the attack. Right? Because mm-hmm. at this moment, King Ghidorah is supposed to be in America. Right. Um. <clears throat> so he they they call him back to Japan to join the attack, and you get this really nice panoramic shot of. Rodan on the far left, Godzilla in the center, and then you've—I think you've got um, Ghidorah on the on the very far right hand side, and then you've got the Exilian uh, ship in the in the background, and that's a really interesting shot to me because that's something that you never ever see in any other uh, Godzilla film, and that's what makes this film good. That's what makes this film unique is you have these three Titans, these three giant monsters that are mortal enemies with one another fighting on the same side. And you've got the military and you and people running in the foreground. And I just, I just think that the way it's composed, I think it's a really good shot. Also some of the, uh, tokusatsu or some of the, um, well, the tokusatsu is really good in this in this film too, but some of the um, other effects, like the the the, I know this gets talked about a lot when when people reference this film is is Godzilla's foot coming down on buildings. Oh yeah, this was sort of a first for Showa era films. Now we we would see this a lot in Heisei and Millennium films, but we didn't see this a whole lot in in Showa films, and that was it was a first, and it was a really interesting thing that they made this huge. Uh, maquette or this huge model of Godzilla's foot crashing into these into these buildings and the way those shots are composed too are super interesting yeah yeah there's a lot of firsts in this movie um this is the first time that an actual alien race is seen on screen in a Godzilla movie now we had hints to aliens in the previous movie with uh, uh Ghidorah the three-headed monster but uh, this is the first time we see an alien race. This is the first time that Godzilla actually, I think it's the first and only time that Godzilla fights outside of earth. Like, you know, he's always an earthbound monster and this was his first and only time that he's outside of earth fighting. Um, There's the first time, like you said, that we see Ghidorah, Godzilla and Rodan all fighting together on the same side, even though they're, being mind controlled um so it's it's there's so many firsts in this film that i think is really interesting and we get to see godzilla dance too in this film too yeah first so time we see godzilla dance an iconic thing to watch yep oh man the, the he does the 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 shea the shea dance i think it's what is that what it's called the shea or shea shea or she yeah, dance something like, like that. that um I know everyone on the, I've, I've read that everyone on the production team loved it. I know. And I've read Subaraya and, and others loved it. 
it was only Honda that hated it. Oh, he wow. thought it was silly. He thought it was he thought it was silly. He thought it was campy. But for some reason, he left it in the movie anyway. So he must not have hated it too bad. I mean, it's one of the most infamous moments from Godzilla from the Godzilla franchise. Like it or hate it. I mean, some people do poke at it. Was poke fun definitely at. a happy moment. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's get into some fun facts here before we get into our final thoughts and sure. our Godzuki scores. So uh, I mentioned how this was the first time that the an alien race appears in a movie. Um, that is something that definitely shows up later on in uh in Godzilla. Uh, in the Godzilla franchise. Um, this is also the first uh, Godzilla film to use stock footage because up until then they had not used stock footage. This uh, uses footage from Rodan, the Mysterians and Mothra. So that's the three films that it used, um, used stock footage from. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Godzilla's victory dance from this film uh, is an unlockable attack in the PlayStation four version of uh, Godzilla of the Godzilla video game. So, and from what I understand, it's a very powerful attack and it cannot be blocked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's that's crazy. And like you said, Honda was the only person who was cited to have hated the dance. Uh, the kiss between Miss Namikawa and Glenn is in the film is the first and only on-screen kiss in a Toho Godzilla film until you get to Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle in 2018. So from 1968 to 2018, there had not been another on-screen kiss in a Godzilla film. That baffles me because I want to say... I feel like there was a kiss in even Godzilla or I'm sorry, when even in Mothra versus Godzilla, there was a kiss. I really, I thought there was, hmm. um, I have to double back and, and, uh, and check that out because, uh, cause the, I mean, the, I did get this from IMDB and so this could be wrong. So I will have to double check, but that is the, that is the fact that they had listed on IMDB. Was there a kiss in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster? I feel like the princess kissed Mm-mm. the the go- the guy that the the guy that saved her, and I, his name escapes me. I'm so sorry. Um, there might uh, have been. There might be. Uh, they might not be counting kisses on like the cheek or something. Um, but as far as an actual kiss, this is a that that's what they're talking hmm. about here. So yeah, and that's something for us to do research on and look into. But that's the fact that I got from IMDb. Um, if that is true. And I'm not saying it's not true because it's very possible because I can't really picture any other kisses in any other Toho Godzilla movies. Um, that's that is really interesting that they that they waited so long. Um, but, you know, and that, that could it could be a cultural thing, because I think in, in Japan, just the those those kinds of a sh- shows of affection are usually more private. And so they don't you know, like mm. so I don't know. That makes sense. Um I also think it's really interesting that and, and now it is it is different and I won't I will not pretend like it's not different, but it is interesting that this movie came out just a few years after Star uh, Star Trek, the original series, and that series was so famous for having the first interracial kiss on television. And then here we have an interracial kiss 
uh, between mm-hmm. an American, a white American man and a Japanese woman. Well, this movie or this, uh, yeah, this movie also came out uh, before the lunar landing when Neil Armstrong planted the flag on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another thing that it came out before 2001, a space odyssey and which surprised me because I was, I was sure that some of the designs for the auxilians uh, and like their, their whole base and everything was inspired by 2001, but it's not because mm-hmm. this came out years before 2001, a space odyssey came out. So it's like, Hmm. So I, just, I, I think it's more of like, this is just the idea that people had for space travel and what space travel looked like. Uh, so, you know, I don't think probably, and the reason I bring up that the reason I bring up that this movie came out before the lunar land, the moon landing, um, is because you've got that scene at the beginning of the film when Glenn and Fuji land on planet X and you clearly can see a flag with, that's got both, that's got all three, that's got three flags on it. It's got the United Nations flag, the United States flag and the Japan flag, uh, on a pole and he's going to go place it in the ground. And I just, and I I wonder, well, I I find it funny that they did that. And then just uh, like a few years later, we actually land on the moon and, and that actually does happen. So I just think that that's, I think that's interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this was coming out during the time when like they were working towards that. Like everybody knew the goal was to get to the moon before the Soviets. So was this the space race? Was this during the space race? Oh yes. Am I, am I correct? Oh yes. The space okay. race kicked off like in the 1950s and went all the way okay. through the 1960s gotcha. and seventies. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it, but it just, it just shows uh, that's a good reason why this film is so heavily, um, focused on the space travel and the aliens and everything is because that's kind of where the world was at that time. Everybody was thinking about space. So, um, going back to how this is a uh, first, this, this movie is, a um, has a lot of firsts. This was the first Godzilla film that Toho co-produced with an American studio. Uh, it was, uh, co-produced with the Henry G. Saperstein or Saperstein, uh, productions of America. No, that's, this is not the first, the first Godzilla no. film. Oh, okay. First Godzilla film. That's a difference. Now, okay. All right. All right. This is only the second time that uh, Toho collaborated with that company because the first time they collaborated with them was Frankenstein versus Baragon, Frankenstein conquers the world, which was that same Mm -hmm. year was earlier this, the same year that this movie came out. Um, Okay. So this was uh, the second time that Toho collaborated with them, but this was the first Godzilla film that was, co-produced with an american studio i i also think it's interesting in the international version of this film you can hear the exilian leader speak an alien language which was created for the film yeah that's all it, uh, I, from what i understand didn't that i think they made that up on the crew or the uh, the acting crew made that up on the fly um that they just sort of, they made it up and, and went with it. And it sounds really interesting. I wish that they would have done that throughout the entire film, even in like the English dub, but we only get it in that. I think it's the second time our crew leaves planet X. Uh, you've got Fuji Glenn and the other gentleman leaving the planet and they leave Godzilla and Rodan behind. Mm-hmm. And then you 
And you can obviously hear the controller speaking in that very weird sort of jarring language that's not Japanese. It's definitely not English, but it's something that they just made up right there on the fly. And I, I wish that they would have carried out throughout the entire film because it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is really interesting. So let's get into our Godzuki scores and our final thoughts. Now, for anybody who's new to the podcast, we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis because we like to embrace the silly side of monster movies and pay homage to the great Godzuki uh, by using him as our yardstick for measuring these films. So, Michael, out of five... How many Godzukis do you give Invasion of Astro Monster? I'm going to go ahead and give it four and a half Godzukis out of five because... It does have its issues. I do have my issues with it. There are parts, like we talked about earlier, there are parts of the movie that drag a little bit for me. Uh, I wish that the film had more Godzilla and more kaiju action, but I don't necessarily want to knock it for that because what we do get as far as like the human drama makes up for it because uh, you've got uh, Takarada's performance You've got Nick Adams performance. You've got Miss Kumi Mizuno's performance. You've got a lot of stellar performances here in this movie. Even the performances from the, uh, from the team that played the uh, exilians was fantastic. And so for that reason, just simply for some of the parts, just kind of dragging toward the, toward the middle. I, I feel like the, I watched, I've watched the champion cut of this film and it, it cuts out about, I think eight minutes or so. And I think it helps it out a little bit, especially during that middle part. Um, I really, I just want to give it, I want to go ahead and just give it a four out of five just because, or I'm sorry, not a four out of five, a 4.5 out of five, because it's not a perfect movie, but it's a near perfect movie. And it's one of my favorites. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid four out of five, just a, just a four out of five. Um, now of course I've talked about how Godzilla isn't the main focus of this movie, but the charismatic characters and the excellent acting um, really just makes this movie such a joy to watch. The monster action when it is on screen is very good. Um, but I also think that there's better examples of monster fights and monster uh, battles in the franchise. So I won't say that this is a standout when it comes to the monster action. But the story is so fun. It has a lot of retro sci-fi appeal. So if you like that old school pre-space travel, pre-moon landing um, sci-fi style, this has it in spades. Uh, For me, and I've said it before, the biggest appeal of the movie is the actors and the characters. I think that the way that they portrayed those characters, the dialogue, the emotions, just everything was top notch i don't think there's a better example of acting in a godzilla movie uh than in this in this one um so they're really memorable and it's some of the best in the franchise by everyone involved for sure i i can get behind it i can get behind that and i'll i'll tack on if you are if you're a person who's seen and enjoyed um i think it's earth versus the flying saucers Mm -hmm. you're going to like this one too. Oh yeah. Yeah. This definitely has that very retro sci-fi feel. So yeah, if you're, even if you're a fan of like Mars attacks, which is a Tim Burton, the Tim Burton movie, (laughs) that movie was, of course was inspired by a lot of the old 1950s, 1960s 
sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. It but was. If, you, if you've only watched that one and you want to see the kinds of movies that inspired it, go watch this one because this one is an excellent one. And I think if you're not a Godzilla fan, if you are just a fan of sci-fi, give this one a chance because um, I think that this is probably the easiest Godzilla film to watch if you're not a fan of Godzilla. Because Godzilla takes such a backseat to to so much of it, but it kind of, it, but but he's still there, like he's still a presence. So if you're new to Godzilla, this is this isn't a bad entry point for um for your like Showa era Godzilla. No, not at all. Yeah. Um. So yep, that's going to be it for our discussion on Invasion of Astro Monster. I think everybody can tell we really enjoyed the film. So. Let's get into our next segment. Do you know what the next segment is? Is it the mailbag? The mailbag. What's in the mail today? And we are going to finish off my best friend Kershaw's email that we've been reading on and off for the last few weeks. Um, he gave us three main questions in his email, and so I broke it down into three separate episodes. So uh, continuing that email, after all this time, he says, uh, listening to the opening theme of this podcast, I have to ask, when is Zone Fighter? <laughs> uh, and then he says, we might need to add another series to the review list or at least a brief discussion. Fun fact, King Ghidorah was the only monster besides Godzilla to not die in that series. Uh, and then he says, that's all I had on my mind for now. I'm still enjoying the show. It definitely helps me out on my late night, early morning shift on Saturdays. I was definitely a noob in the world of Kaiju and Tokusatsu when I fell out of it, but this podcast encouraged me to get back into it. Keep up the good work, fellas. Kershaw. Thank you so much, Kershaw, for your email. We love hearing from you, and we love hearing that we have helped you regain the joy of Kaiju. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, and thank you so much, Kershaw. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know Travis definitely appreciates it when, when his best friend in the whole wide world gives us feedback. Uh, and to honestly, this is, this is how much I paid attention. Um, I did not know it was zone fighter until several, several months into being on this podcast. Yeah. So, I think, I think uh, you sent me a message one day. You're like, I just realized what our opening theme is. It's zone fighter. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this was, yeah. And, and that was months into me being on the show. Uh, but to be fair, I had, I was not, I was big into Godzilla and, and Kaiju, but I was not big into like just, tokusatsu into ultraman and, and other tokusatsu shows at that moment so when i had that epiphany while researching what zone fighter was that's when i that's when it clicked and i was like oh well okay there we go yeah uh so yeah so thank you kershaw we appreciated uh reading all of your feedback yeah. these last few episodes and i and i will uh, answer, we hope i will answer his question about when are we going to cover zone fighter with i oh yeah I for sure want, sorry about that yeah that's <laughs> fine um i do want to cover it at some point in the future um zone fighter is one of those ones that's really hard for us to review because uh there's no official american release uh for it so the only way to watch it is kind of uh through third party means um just got mm -hmm. it there uh it's 
I do want to cover it. I've only seen one episode of Zone Fighter, so I. But uh, the the theme song, the reason why I used the theme song for it for the podcast was um, Stephen, the co-host that was on here previously. He was uh, helping me create um, the 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 theme song to the podcast, and we had a YouTube channel that's called Queer Kaiju. Um, which I think we link to at the end the show notes each week because he has provided us with our opening theme song and our closing theme song. And he had mm-hmm. a really great Zone Fighter cover that he did that's very synth um, sounding. And so that's what we ended up using. But I do plan on covering Zone Fighter. But like I said, the, re- the only reason why it's hard is because there's no official American release. But we will cover it at some yeah. point. So look forward. Yeah, we'll find a way. Yeah, we'll definitely find a way. Um, I want us to try to put that on the 2021 schedule for sure. Um, we've already taken one suggestion of Kershaw's and put it onto the schedule. Uh, so why not go ahead and, and do one more and, and review some Zone Fighter uh, next year as well? Yep, yep. We'll, we will definitely get to it. Um, so, yeah, that the only other thing to do for this week's episode is to ask the trivia question for the next episode. Now, because we rearranged our schedule, next week's episode is going to be the one that was supposed to be this week. And the trivia question remains the same. What animated series adapted from a manga serves as a pseudo sequel to the 1966 Ultraman show? So that's our trivia question. You can reach out to us just like Kershaw reach out to us on our email or on Twitter or Instagram. All the links to that are in the show notes below if you want to reach out to us. Yeah, and we're going to have a special guest next week. Uh, uh, If we can make sure our schedules will line up again, Uh, we're going to have Alex from the Monsters vs. Men podcast going to be joining us for that episode, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too, because it's going to be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to going back in and really taking a look at that series too that we're that we're covering. Um, so we just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju weekly and at Kaiju groupie pod, all the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju groupie Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions to our email, Kaiju weekly at gmail.com. We want to say also a big thank you to Alex, Shijir, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash kaijuweekly. And you know what I'm going to say? Help us fulfill our dreams of going to see <laughs> the, the goo. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to our blob episode because that's, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> oh boy. And Travis, as always, uh, if they all, if, if they can't support us on Patreon, there's one other thing that they can do to help, um, help can to help out the show. And that is going to Apple podcasts and leaving us a five star review. Criticize us all you want to, in the comment, but make sure you uh, leave us five stars worth. And we promise that we will read that feedback on a future episode. And what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans, just like you. It's going to help us grow the show and hopefully uh, propel us on to bigger and better things for the broadcast. So if you, if you guys would please do that for us, we'd really, really appreciate it. 
Yep. And so I think to close out this uh, week's episode, I'm just going to say help control the giant monster population. Have your exilians spayed or neutered. Does that sound good? Do exilians? Does do exilians even have genitals? I don't know. Ask Glenn. <laughs> <laughs>